So we're going to go to the book of Acts, Acts chapter 27 um, this morning. We're going to read a lot of Bible. And I love this because obviously you've got one of the greatest Bible teachers truly on the planet. But in case some of you have fallen behind in your Bible reading plan for a year, we are going to read so much Bible today that I'm about to catch you up. And you're going to be able to finish the year right on par with your Bible reading plan. So that is going to work well. So if you turn with me um, to Acts 27. So the scripture says, and when it was decided that we should sail for Italy. They delivered Paul and some other prisoners to a centurion of the Augustan cohort named Julius. Let me just start here. When it was decided that we should sail to Italy. Now, when we hear that, if you're like me, I have spent the last three and a half decades as a Jesus follower uh, traveling the world. Nick and I have 19 A21 officers in 16 countries. Um, I'm part of a church that that has, uh, you know, churches in over 30 nations. And all I have done, people go, where do you live? I say, in an airplane. We just do laps of the globe. And for most of our married life, we've done about 300,000 air miles a year, which if you fly, you know, that is a lot of time in the air. And Um, That changed, obviously, over the last 18 months. And so I'm like busting to get back overseas. And I've spent a lot of time in Italy because, you know, I I prayed, um, Lord, here I am, send me to the nations. And the Italian Riviera is where I felt that needed a lot of discipleship and evangelism. And so when I I see, and and Paul's writing, oh, Luke is writing this, but he's talking about him and Paul when it was decided that we were going to sail to Italy, you might get a picture of like Positano or, you know, the Amalfi Coast, Ravello or, or Sorrento or maybe Tuscany. And you're thinking of a Mediterranean cruise. I mean, I'm thinking all of this. I cannot wait to get back over uh, to that region of the world. And I'm just like, I've got visions of sunbaking in Italy and being on a beautiful cruise ship and eating lots of pizza and pasta with no calories and no carbs. And in fact, I'm from a Greek family. So, you know, when I started to go on a, a much a higher protein diet. I, I, I called my mum and I said, mum, you know, I was going over for dinner and I said, mum, I'm not eating many carbs. So I don't want any carbs. I just want a lot of protein. So I go to my mother's house who makes me this huge bowl of pasta with butter. And I'm going, mum, I told you I'm not eating carbs. And she looked at me like I was speaking a foreign language. And she says, Christina, pasta is not carbs. Pasta is pasta. Like it's its own food group. Anyway, that's kind of what I, I come from. It's it just like that's the world I'm from. So I'm reading this and it says that when it was decided that we should sail for Italy, all I'm saying is don't have that picture in your mind about what I'm going to speak about this morning. Don't, don't, don't think of the Italian Riviera and a beautiful Mediterranean cruise and, you know, sipping non-alcoholic Chianti in, in Italy. It, that's not what this is going to come out like. It says, it, it, it goes on, it says, Paul and some other, um, they delivered Paul and some other prisoners. So already we know that Paul, at the time of this, was a, a prisoner. Paul was going to Rome. Paul had wanted to go to Rome. 
Paul had wanted to stand before Caesar. He had a word. Basically, he was working his ministry life towards going to the epicenter of the Roman Empire. If he could stand and proclaim the gospel before the Caesar in Rome, then the gospel message would be able to spread throughout the then known world, which is actually what happened. And he had a word. He's going to Rome. I'm not sure that he thought he was going to go to Rome as a prisoner, but sometimes God is going to take us to a purpose via a route that we never anticipated. You can have a promise, you can have a word, and often God is a little bit short on the details of how we're going to get there. Paul had been in Jerusalem. He had received the Jerusalem church was under persecution. They, were, uh, they had a lot of poverty. And so Paul had taken an offering from churches in the region, and he himself took that offering to Jerusalem. Jerusalem was very dear to him. The church in Jerusalem was very dear to him. It was obviously Jerusalem is where Jesus was crucified, and and he had persecuted the church in Jerusalem so much before he had become a Jesus follower. And he wanted to take the offering himself to the church there. Everyone was saying, don't go to Jerusalem, because if you go to Jerusalem, they're going to come after you. But Paul, a little bit like Pastor Rick, was his own man. And he was deciding that he was going to go and he was going to do this. Well, that's exactly what happened to him. He went there and basically how he was, I mean, they came out to kill him, the religious leaders. And how he was rescued from, from being killed was he was taken to be a prisoner. And so then he's now on his way to Rome. So he gets on this ship en route to Italy. He is a prisoner. Now remember, I want you to know from the outset, he's on his way to his purpose. He is fulfilling purpose. He's seeing a promise fulfilled. He had a promise you're going to Rome. It was part of his purpose to go to Rome. And sometimes the way the promise and the purpose are outworked in our life is just very different to how we were anticipating. So he goes on and he says, um, and embarking on, in a ship of Adrimatium, which was about to sail to the ports along the coast of Asia, we put to sea, accompanied by Aristarchus, a Macedonian from Thessalonica. I love this. Because, you know, everyone wants to be Greek. So even on the way to Rome, we need some Greeks on the ship. And so I, I say that to all of my Italian friends. Thessaloniki is where our headquarters are for 821 around the world. So this is all very dear to me. The next day we put in at Sidon. And Julius treated Paul kindly and gave him leave to go to his friends and be cared for. And putting out to sea from there, we sailed under the lee of Cyprus because the winds were against us. Now, if you're like me, I don't know that much about sailing, so I didn't know what a lee was. And then I went and looked it up, and the lee of Cyprus is when you're sailing right near the shore because the winds were so strong that you are getting protection from the winds by, by going in and sailing close to the lee. But I want you to see from the outset of this trip, from the outset of the trip, Paul was a, a prisoner. And then as soon as they started on route to purpose via a method that he may not have been anticipating, immediately the winds were against them. There was opposition from the minute they left. You know, as I, I think of this, I'm thinking it was kind of like March 2020. I, I, I remember starting 
2020, I was in the Mercedes-Benz Stadium there in Atlanta, beautiful, beautiful stadium, 65,000 young people speaking at the Passion Conference. And I remember, you know, preaching a sermon and um, and I'm declaring this is the year of 2020 vision. And you know, it, it was a lot of 2020 vision. I'm like, this is it. I went from there to Brazil. And did and spoke in two arenas. And every in my life have I done this on the same day. Once there was a crowd of uh, 55,000, I got off that stage, went into a car, drove to the other side of the city, spoke in an arena of 45,000. I mean, we were just like having revival. Flew to Sydney, Australia, spoke at our color conference, a whole arena full of people. I thought, this is the year of revival. I mean, it's just one arena to the next arena to the next arena around the world. I got on the plane in March to leave Australia, and I land in America and started to feel the winds were against us started to feel like, okay, something's a little bit off here. I haven't left the country since March 2020. But it's kind of like we started the year of vision and the winds started to be a little bit against us. He goes on and it says, And when we had sailed across the open sea along the coast of Sicilia and Pamphylia, we came to Mira in Lycia. There the centurion found a ship of Alexandria. That's where my parents are from in Egypt. And sailing for Italy and put us on board. We sailed slowly for a number of days and arrived with difficulty. So now we've probably gone from March 2020 to about June 2020. Started like the winds were against us. Then it got difficult. So Paul is fulfilling a promise. Paul is on his way to purpose. But on the way to purpose and seeing the promise fulfilled, the winds were against him. Then it started to get difficult. He goes on and says something. He says a lot of things here. As the wind, and, and with difficulty off Cnidus, and as the wind did not allow us to go further, we sailed under the lee of Crete off Simon, coasting along it with difficulty. There it is again, just in case you were wondering. Now we're in about... August 2020, we came to a place called Fair Havens, near which was the city of Lycia. Since much time had passed, this wasn't a quick overnight thing. Much time had passed and the voyage was now dangerous. Now we're, we're, we're kicking right in. Not only were the winds against us, then it got difficult, then there was more difficulty. Now it is dangerous, still on course with purpose, still on course with fulfilling the promise, but now things are getting dangerous. It goes on, it says, this is Paul now, Paul advised them in his very, very humble self, saying, sirs, I perceive that the voyage will be with injury and much loss, not only of the cargo and the ship, but also of our lives. Paul's the kind of guy you want with you. But the centurion paid more attention to the pilot and to the owner of the ship than to what Paul said. Well, of course you would, because this guy, you know, He steers the ships and Paul is like an apostle. And because the harbor was not suitable to spend the winter in, the majority, we love the majority because the majority are always right, aren't they? The majority decided to put out to sea from there on the chance that somehow they could reach Phoenix, not Arizona, but Phoenix, a harbor of Crete facing both southwest and northwest and spend the winter there. Now, when the south wind blew gently, supposing they had obtained their purpose, suddenly there's a shift in the wind. Suddenly we think everything is changing. 
Suddenly we think everything is going to be okay. Supposing they had obtained their purpose, they weighed anchor and sailed along creek close to the shore. But soon a tempestuous wind called the Northeaster struck down from the land. Now, what I want you to imagine here, and you could Google this, the, the Northeaster, if you've ever been to Europe, during these winter months, now this is after the Day of Atonement, this is, this is now, we're coming into the winter, that is not the time you want to go on a Mediterranean cruise. And Nick and I have been over during that time of the year, there was one incident where a couple of girls were rescued off a particular island, and we had to send people in to, to bring the girls out, and let me just tell you, you know, the, 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 they weren't killed at the hands of the trafficker, but they all almost died in the storm coming across the Mediterranean Sea to get to safety in Athens. I mean, it was violent. It was violent. The winds were just like coming like crazy. The waves were coming. We thought the boat was going to overturn. And I've been on a boat during that time of the year going across the Mediterranean Sea, and it was so, so stormy, so, so windy. I mean, I was like so nauseous and thought this is going to end. I mean, I want you to think like a, a, a Category 5 hurricane, not be thinking like a little wind that's just moving. This is like a full up. that northeaster is starting to come. There's a huge storm. So not only was it difficult, not only were the winds against them, not only was it dangerous, we've now gone into a whole new level. It's like there's a, a variant now. And you're like, whoo, just when I thought everything was going to be under control. We've now hit a whole new level. It goes on and says, and when the ship was caught and could not face the wind, we gave way to it and were driven along. Anyone feel like you might have been driven along the last year? It's just like, I don't know what else to do. Anywhere I go, I, I've just, I'm just being driven along. I've just got to go with the flow, go with whatever is happening out there, running under the lee of a small island called Kauna. We manage with difficulty, just in case you didn't get it. We managed with difficulty to secure the ship's boat. After hoisting it up, they used supports to undergird the ship. Then fearing they would run aground on the city, they lowered the gear and thus they were driven along. Paul is en route to purpose. Paul has a promise. And everything about this thus far would suggest that, you know what? This promise isn't going to come to pass. My purpose must be over. God must have changed his mind or somewhere along the line, I didn't hear God correctly because this is all now out of control. And then he says, since we were violently storm-tossed and we began the next day to jettison the cargo, violently storm-tossed. Anyone feel violently storm-tossed over the last year? Nauseous? What's going on? I mean, this wasn't just a little bit. I feel like I've been thrown from side to side. Everything I was hoping for, everything I was believing for, it's just like I've been violently storm-tossed. I just can't get this right. What is going on? And then they began to jettison the cargo, throwing it overboard. Anyone felt like, man, I just have had to throw that, that business, that entrepreneurial experience. I, I thought I was going to have that promotion. I thought this is going to, and we just felt like it's all just been thrown overboard. Where's it gone? Goes on and on the third day, they threw the ship's tackle overboard with their own hands when neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and no small tempest lay on us. All hope of our being saved was abandoned. 
All hope was abandoned. We couldn't see the sun. We couldn't see the stars. Now, this might not mean much to us in 2021 because we have a GPS system, but the sun, the stars were their GPS system. They were just being storm-tossed. It was pitch black. They didn't know where they were going. They couldn't see. Anyone felt like that? God, where are you? Where did you go? I feel like we've lost our whole navigation system. What has happened? On route to purpose, have a promise, part of God's plan, but now it's pitch black and it feels like heaven's silent. It feels like you can't see what is going on. And then he goes on and he says, since they had been without food for a long time, Paul stood up among them and said, (laughs) men, you should have listened to me said no woman to her husband ever, but anyway, and have not set sail from Crete and incurred this injury and loss. You should have listened to me. Yet now, I urge you, let me go on here. I'm going to read it from my paper Bible just because I haven't memorized the whole thing. How is that all going? And he goes, yet now I urge you to take heart, for there will be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship. He says, I urge you, take heart. I know you're freaking out. I know it's pitch black. I know we've thrown everything overboard. And we thought, I mean, when you're throwing everything overboard, this was a cargo ship. You are throwing overboard all of your income, all of your profit, everything that you thought it would be. It's gone. It's all gone overboard. And he's saying in the midst of you thinking you're losing everything and we should have lost our lives, I want you right now to take heart. I want you to take heart because we are not going to die. And the only thing that's going to go is the ship. The ship. And you go, but but Chris, what, what, what do you even mean? We're in the middle of a storm. We're in the middle of the Mediterranean Sea. And Paul's saying, that we're going to be okay, but we're going to lose the ship. See, what happened to us over this last year is a lot of us, there were some ships that had to go because we had put our trust in the ship rather than the God that steers the ship. And so some of the things along the way, God said, I never told you the ship was going to be the thing that was going to get you there. I told you I was going to get you there. I gave you the promise. I have the plan. You put your faith in the ship. And then some of us have thought God's left us because the ship had to go. See, there were some friendships that had to go. There were some relationships that had to go. There were some ships in our life that had to go. The promise still stands. The purpose still stands. The plan of God still stands. But some of the ships had to go. And some of us have confused the ships with the promise. Some of us have confused the ships with the purpose. And he goes on. He says, there'll be no loss of life among you, but only of the ship for this very night. There stood before me an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I worship. He's in the middle of a storm. He's feeling the same wind as everyone else. He's feeling the same waves as everyone else. He's potentially feeling the same nausea as everyone else. He wasn't exempt from it, but right in the middle of it, he says, oh, let me take this opportunity to remind you of the God who I'm served. See, most of us have lost our minds over this last year rather than standing steadfast and saying, 
let me talk to you about this God that I serve and this God that I, yes, I'm feeling the same wind as you. I'm feeling the same waves as you. I'm feeling the same nausea as you. But let me tell you about this God that I serve. Paul in the midst of it is going, let me talk to you about him. And he said, do not be afraid. There's an angel that stood there. Do not be afraid. Paul, you must stand before Caesar. What have I come here to tell you this morning? Some of you have forgotten your must. You've forgotten your promise. You've forgotten the plan. The angel of the Lord said to him, you must. Oh, there's a storm. Yes. You feel like you've lost all your navigation system. Yes. You've thrown all your cargo overboard. Yes. You're even going to lose the ship, but you must stand before Caesar. And some of us in the church have forgotten our must. We've forgotten that we must. And we put our faith in the cargo and we put our faith in the ship and we put our faith in the conditions around us. And, and the angel of the Lord's going, you must. What's your must? Where somewhere in the last 18 months have you lost your must? You must stand before Caesar. And he goes on and behold, God has granted you all those who sail with you. I said to everyone, I'm my staff, everyone in my sphere of influence. I'm going, you're okay, you're with me. You're with me and I'm with God, so we're fine. We're fine. I don't care how many variants we've got, we're, we're okay. You must stand. I said, I've got some musts. I've still got some promises ahead of me. I've still got God's plan and purpose ahead of me. I, I, yes, I feel the wind. Yes, I feel the storm. Yes, some cargo's had to go overboard, but, but I've got a must. And he goes on. So take heart, men, for I have faith in God that it will be exactly as I have been told. I wonder whether our faith in God is that it will be exactly as we have been told. Or I wonder whether our faith is in whatever news broadcasts we listen to or whatever our social media opinion polls are that we listen to. Where's our faith? See, because I have faith that it will be exactly as I have been told by God. Not by my news broadcaster of choice, not by my social media opinion poll where everyone's got an opinion and everyone's suddenly an expert on everything in the world. But I've got a must from God. I've got a word from God. I've got a promise from God. I'm part of God's plan and purpose and I'm feeling the storm. I'm seeing the darkness, but I've got a word. So it goes on. When the 14th Night had come as we were being driven across the Adriatic Sea. About midnight, the sailors suspected that they were nearing land. So they took a sounding and found 20 fathoms. And then a little further, they took a sounding again and they found 15 fathoms. And fearing that we might run on the rocks, they let down four anchors from the stern and prayed for day to come. And as the sailors were seeking to escape from the ship and had lowered the ship's boat into the sea under the pretense of laying out anchors from the bow, Paul said to the centurion and the soldiers, unless the men stay in the ship, you cannot be saved. Unless the men stay, this doesn't make sense in the natural. We know the ship's going to go down. The angel of the Lord already told Paul, you're going to all be saved, but not the ship. The ship must run aground. Some ships needed to run aground. The guys are freaking out. So they're like, we want to jump ship. And Paul says, I know this doesn't make sense, but the way you will be saved is stay 
on the ship. Somebody needs that word this morning because in this last 18 months, so many people have been jumping ship, jumping ship on churches, jumping ship on marriages, jumping ship on relationships, jumping ship on Jesus. Stay on the ship. Stay. But Christine, the ship's running aground. I don't get it either. But this is not the time to jump ship. This is not the time to jump ship. And he goes on and says, As the day was about to dawn, Paul urged them all to take some food, saying, Today is the 14th day that you have continued in suspense and without food, having taken nothing. Therefore, I urge you to take some food, for it will give you strength. Some of you just need to just get a grip. Just enjoy yourself. Eat something. I've decided through this whole thing, I've been on this planet too. I wasn't, I, I didn't get on an Elon Musk ship to Mars. I've been on earth during this whole thing. And you know, sometimes you go, just, I just, let's just eat. Let, let's just, what, what a witness we are to the world. They're like, what are you doing? I'm eating. Aren't you freaking out? No. Worst thing could happen, I'm going to die. Well, I'm going to live long enough. I'm going to die anyway, so that's okay. May as well enjoy some baklava while I'm here. He's like, could you do something natural in the middle of a storm? Because I'm trusting the God that's with me. Instead of scrolling through Facebook and getting caught up in all of the latest drama, just, just sit down and have something to eat. Goes on and says, for not a hair is to perish from the head of any of you. That's how I feel. People would have thought, Paul, have you lost your mind? Like, don't you know we're in the middle of a Category 5 hurricane? He's like, let me have some food. I've got a promise. I've got a promise and I'm in God's plan. And God's promise is greater than any storm that I'm confronting around me. It's just the way that it is. And he says, and when he said these things, he took bread and giving thanks to God in the presence of all. He broke it and began to eat. I wonder what we're doing in the presence of all. See, I think it's very significant that the church gathers. So glad, those of you that have joined us online today. But if it's at all possible and you're not compromised at all in your immunity system, you should really come to the house of God. You should really be able to come if, if, if it's at all possible. Because in the midst of it all, we're saying to a lost and a broken world, you know what? You all can lose your minds. We're just going to break bread in the midst of it all. Our trust and our faith is in our God. I, I'm going to drink of the cup. I'm going to take of the bread. I'm going to remind myself of the covenant of God. I'm going to remind myself that in the midst of all that is going, I can't deny what's going on. It's real. But what's even more real than that is Jesus and his body that was broken for me and his blood that was shed for me. And that ensures that the promise will come to pass no matter what is going on. So Paul took bread, he broke it in the presence of everyone. It goes on, it says, when they, then they were all encouraged and ate some food. We were in all 276 persons on the ship. And when they had eaten enough, they lightened the ship, throwing out the wheat into the sea. Now, when it was day, they did not recognize the land, but they noticed a bay with a beach on it, which they planned, if possible, to run the ship ashore. So they cast off the anchors and left them in the sea, at the same time, loosening the ropes that tied the rudders, then hoisting the foresail to the wind, they made for the beach. But striking a reef, they ran the vessel aground. 
The bow stuck and remained immovable, and the stern was being broken up by the surf. The soldier's plan was to kill the prisoners, lest any should swim away and escape. It just, this is the nonsense of the reasoning of the world. <laughs> like, the ship's just run aground. We're all going to die, but we're going to kill you first. Anyway, it's like, hello. Honestly, play out some of the things that are happening in the world today, and it's about as nonsensical as this. But the centurion wishing to save Paul kept them from carrying out their plan. He ordered those that could swim to jump overboard first and make for the land, and the rest on planks or on pieces of the ship. And so it was that they were all brought safety to land. I love this. I love the whole image of this. It says, those that could swim, you go. The rest of you just grab a piece of plank or a little bit of the ship. Some of us, this is how we came into 2021. We're like, I don't know how I got here, but I'm on a plank. I just, I just kind of got here. Some of us, we, we, we've just got there, but there is this whole chapter that Dr. Luke writes, retelling this story, and at the end of this entire chapter, where we have got a huge hurricane and storm, and we've, got, we've lost the ship, we've lost the cargo, Everyone's felt nauseous. Everyone's been massively traumatized. How does this chapter end? This just cracks me up. After this entire chapter, Dr. Luke ends it with this statement. And so it was that we were all brought safely to land. You know, most of us would be writing books about how traumatic the year was. We would be reliving the anger of losing the cargo, the anger of losing the ship, the disappointment that God said, I'm going to Rome and here I am stuck on some dumb island. And some of us still haven't even recovered because all we're thinking about is the things that didn't go our way, the plans that didn't come to pass. All we're thinking about is we had our little beautiful profile of how we thought God was going to outwork his plan and his purpose in our life. And all we keep doing is rehearsing chapter 27 and forgetting the last line, forgetting that our God brought us safely through. The very fact that we're here watching this today, that we're in this house today, our testimony is that God brought us safely through. I said to my daughters, after everything that we're going through, I said, I don't know, uh, we are not, COVID is not the banner over our 2020. Uh, the banner over our 2020 is that our God brought us safely through. Our God brought us safely through. And just in case you forgot that, the very first line of Acts 28 and after, we were brought safely through. So not only do we give thanks that our God brought us safely through, now we're already in the new thing. And instead of rehashing all of the loss, he goes, now we're moving forward. After God brought us safely through. There's a purpose for being brought safely through. There's a reason. There's no ship. There's no cargo. But we're here. We're here. We're here. And after our God brought us safely through, we then learned that the island was called Malta. I think that's hilarious. We then learned. We had no clue where we were. Oh, it's called Malta. That's how a lot of us feel right now. We're like, where am I? Oh, Malta. I didn't even know Malta existed. 
Most of us where we are right now, we're like, I didn't know this place existed. When I started last year, I was en route to Rome, the epicenter of the empire. I mean, the place of, I knew where I was going. I knew how I was going to get there. This was the epicenter. I did not even know Malta, an 11-mile island, a few miles wide, the south of the Mediterranean. Nick and I have been to Malta, and there's entire shrines built to this story that I'm telling you right now. Paul ends up in Malta. This is Paul. God told him, you're going to Rome. Part of his purpose and promise and plan was that he'd be standing before the Caesar. And now Paul has been washed up on this tiny island that he didn't even know what it was called. Dr. Luke's telling us, oh, we then learned it was called Malta. What do you do when you're in Malta and you thought you were going to Rome? What do you do when it's October 2021 and you'd started 2020 thinking, I'm going to Rome? And now you're like, oh, here I am. Where am I again? Oh, Malta. Like, how do you spell that? So what do you do then? Do you sit on the shore of Malta and spend your whole time rehearsing and lamenting and being angry with the fact that you're not in Rome? goes on, it says, after we were brought safely through, then we learned that the island was called Malta. The native people showed us unusual kindness. For they kindled a fire and welcomed us all because it had begun to rain and was cold. When Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks, the Apostle Paul, Apostle Paul could have just said, God, where are you? Man, I've already been through so much. I am a man of God. I was serving you. The ship's gone awry. The cargo's gone awry. And I'm not even in Rome. But no, no, that Apostle Paul just gets busy where he is. Let's pick up some sticks. Because I'm still about the Father's business. I'm still got a promise. I still got a plan. Didn't plan to be in Malta, but obviously God in his sovereignty brought me via Malta. So I'm going to begin. Some of you, I'll tell you how you get out of your funk. Start serving your way out of it. Start doing something where you are right now. Start serving the Lord and seeing God in the midst of it right at this moment. Paul gathered a bundle of sticks and put them on the fire. Goes on and it says, a viper came out because of the heat. And this is the best I could do this morning, okay? So just bear with me. Some of you are freaking out going, I knew we'd put a Pentecostal woman up there. We'll get a snake handler. There it is. I'm just confirming all your worst fears right now. And so there it is. A viper came out because of the heat. See, when that fire started and oh, the purpose of God's still happening, sometimes you start to get hot on fire for God. Expect some snakes to come out of nowhere. Expect some vipers to come out when you decide that, you know what, we're, we're going to keep moving forward in the purpose and the plan and the promise of God. It says it fastened on his hands. When the native people saw the creature hanging from his hand, they said to one another, no doubt this man is a murderer. I love the crowd. This is what you're about to see. So many of you so obsessed with what they say on social media, how many people like you, what sort of opinions uh, listen, the same crowd, the same crowd that's liking your post this week will cancel you next week. Like, it's just the way that it is. When the native people saw the creature, they said to one another, there's no doubt this man is a murderer, though he has escaped from the sea. Justice 
that's the goddess of justice that they believed, has not allowed him to live. He, however, shook the creature into the fire and suffered no harm. This cracks me up. Now, now look at the response of everyone. They were waiting for him to swell up or suddenly fall down dead. Oh, the crowd's always going to wait for you to die. Don't worry. They're like, wait, you know that crowd? They're like, oh, cannot wait till they go down. It goes on and says, but when they had waited a long time and so no, saw no misfortune come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a God. That's what the crowd will do. You're a murderer today. You're a God tomorrow. Goes on. And it says, now in the neighborhood of that place were lands belonging to the chief man of the island named Publius who received us and entertained us hospitably for three days. It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery and Paul visited him and prayed and putting his hands on him, healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had wintered in the island, a ship of Alexandria with the twin gods as the figurehead. Am I reading this right? Putting in at Sicris. I might have gone here because I've lost my place, so maybe you don't. So this is why I trust my Bible. This is why you all need one of these. Pastor Rick's trying to make me convert. I'm not converting. I'm keeping my viper right here. I want to jump this on. It says, It happened that the father of Publius lay sick with fever and dysentery, and Paul visited him and prayed, and putting his hands on him, he healed him. And when this had taken place, the rest of the people on the island who had diseases also came and were cured. I want you to get that. God brought him to this place that he didn't know existed. The chief, most influential person on the, on the island, he had a father that was sick. Paul, God used Paul to heal that man. Then every single other person that was sick and diseased, that Paul healed them. And it goes on. They also honored us greatly. And when we were about to sail, they put on board whatever we needed. I want you to catch this. So out of this fire comes this viper. Those of us in this hour that are choosing to stay are on fire and hot for God. Vipers will come out. Vipers will come out. And Paul could have easily got described. Are you serious, God? I have served you. I have survived a storm. I have survived a shipwreck. And now I've got a snake bite. Some of us, that's how we're feeling. Like, are you kidding me, God? I stayed in faith in the storm. I stayed in faith in the shipwreck. And now there's a snake bite. And that venom, listen. The enemy has tried to take us out from the outside in, the storms and the shipwrecks. And if he can't get you from the outside in, he's going to try to get you from the inside out. He's going to try to get venom on the inside of you, bitterness and anger and gossip and slander and jealousy and chaos and division. Oh, he wants that venom to get in and take you in from the inside out. But the Bible says Paul didn't entertain it. He didn't keep scrolling through Facebook. He didn't keep watching his favorite news channel. He didn't keep going on and talking about it with all his friends. No, I need you to know before Taylor Swift, there was the Apostle Paul. He just made a decision to shake it off. And some of you need to shake it off today. Some of you need to shake off that bitterness, shake off that anger, shake off that offense, shake it off. 
Why? Because revival is a stake. God had a revival waiting in Malta on route to Rome. And some of you are missing the revival that God has for you right here in Malta because you're lamenting the fact that you are not yet in Rome. Look what the text says. When it was time to go, whoo, the promise and the purpose. Promise and the purpose didn't go anywhere. Caesar's still in Rome. The Bible says they brought a ship. Wow. God got him a new ship. Not only a new ship, they put on board whatever we needed. Some of you are so freaking out. And God's like, excuse me? How about you have the revival here? Because I've got some people I want to heal here. I've got some people I want to save here. I've got some people I want to deliver here. I've got some things I want to do here. And then when I want to get you to Rome, it's okay. I'll get another ship to you. And I'll put whatever you need on board. If you just stop forgetting all the stuff that you've lost. And then what happened? Paul went to Rome. What have I come here to say this morning? Don't despise Malta. And don't miss the miracle that's waiting in Malta. Because you're not in Rome. I'll tell you what's stronger than a storm or a shipwreck or a snake bite. It's the promise and the plan. And the purpose of God. You've got a promise. And no demon in hell and no purpose on earth and no person on earth can thwart the plan or the promise of God for your life. Might not look like we thought. Whew, we might have got here on a plank. <laughs> but there's a revival. And I said to my daughters and in our family, let me just tell you, I've spent my whole life overseas. So I decided, well, since I can't go. We had a little mini revival on our street, especially when we were, I'm from California, so, you know, we're under a different regime. And so when we have lockdown, we really do. You all don't know what it means over here. So we were like, really? And we had to do all the social distancing, couldn't have anyone over, so we just decided in our street. I said, well, Nick, if I can't go overseas and have revival, we'll just have it here. So we would begin Fridays, and it'd be like happy hour in our street. And over the course of the time, more and more, it was like a whole community. People would come deliberately at that time because we would just sit there and begin to tell stories and saw our neighbors and saw people all in our community begin to come to Christ, begin to open up to the things of God because I said, I'm not missing the miracle in Malta. I'm still going to Rome. The promise still is going to happen. But until that happens, I am going to have my miracle in Malta. Some of you need to reframe what's happened. And remember that your God brought you safely through. He who promised is faithful. And if God said it, he will do it in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 For more information on Summit Christian Center, visit summitsa.com.